following message is brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity and was recorded at Westminster Chapel in Toronto. To learn more about the Ezra Institute's mission to declare the Lordship of Jesus Christ over every area of life, please visit www.ezrainstitute.ca. Good morning, my brothers and sisters. Today is Pentecost Sunday. It's today that we remember the gift of the Holy Spirit to God's people. Jesus, before he ascended into heaven on the 40th day after his resurrection, promised his disciples that he would clothe them with power from on high and that he would give them, he would send them the Holy Spirit. And 10 days later, on the day of Pentecost, early in the morning, God's Spirit descended upon the saints, upon his people gathered in Jerusalem. And today is that day. Today is Pentecost. And today we are celebrating the gift and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And as we've, over the last several weeks, considered what it means to be more than conquerors, we remember that it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are more than conquerors. It's the Spirit who enables us to overcome And as we face and as we seek to be faithful through these uncertain and these difficult times, we are reminded that only as we follow the Spirit, only as we are enabled by His power, are we able to overcome and be more than conquerors. And our text today on this Pentecost Sunday is Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 to 10. And there are two statements that Paul makes that I want us to to consider. The first, he says in verse 8, The one who sows the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And the second statement I want us to, to consider is his exhortation. Do not grow weary of doing good. And if we are to be more than conquerors, we need to sow to the Spirit. And if we are to be more than conquerors, we cannot grow weary in doing good. So first, sowing to the Spirit. Paul here is reminding us of this very basic principle in God's creation of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. Now, this is obvious to us. You don't have to be an expert gardener. You don't have to be a farmer to know that whatever you sow, you will reap. If you're working in your garden now and you're cultivating it and you've sown seed, you know that if you have sown carrot seed in your garden, you don't expect to reap tomatoes. If you sow carrot seed, you're going to reap carrots. You will reap what you sow. Now, the same principle applies to all of life. This principle is woven into the way in which God's creation works. We will reap what we sow. Your words, your decisions, your actions, they have consequences. The words that you sow, the actions that you sow, you will reap. They have consequences. And Paul reminds us here, and he warns us, that we cannot live our lives as though we have no accountability to God. We cannot ignore His word. We cannot ignore His judgment. We cannot live our lives thinking, hey, there will be no consequences. There will be no account. That's not the case. 
Look what Paul says in verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So Paul warns us, God is not mocked. Don't be deceived. You will reap what you sow. And he begins by warning us that if we sow to the flesh, we will reap corruption. Now, sowing to the flesh means that we are sowing into, we are feeding, we are indulging, we are gratifying our sinful desires, our sinful passions, our sinful tendencies. And Paul says, if you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. Every time that you watch a pornographic video, every time that you pass on a word of gossip, every time you you nurse, you, you think about something that somebody said to you that offended you or harm that a person caused you or sinned against you. Every time you, you, you nurse that, you nurse a grudge, you nurse bitterness, you are sowing to the flesh. Every time you are seeking to promote yourself above somebody else, every self-seeking action, every self-seeking thought, you're sowing to the flesh. Every time you give in to your anger, you're sowing to the flesh. Every time you complain and you grumble about your circumstances, you're sowing to the flesh. Every time you make little sarcastic comments or you insult or you nitpick with your spouse, you are sowing to the flesh. Every time you ignore the needs of your neighbor, you are sowing to the flesh. And Paul warns that if we sow to the flesh, we will reap corruption. Now, the word that Paul uses here for corruption is a word that refers to the decay or the decomposition of a dead body. Now, we've gotten into the habit now that the weather is warmer of going for bike rides early in the morning. And we like to ride our bikes up to the Black Creek. And where we live, Black Creek isn't like a nice little natural-looking creek. It's actually a man-made concrete waterway. So the banks of Black Creek are concrete. And there's all kinds of drainage pipes that run into Black Creek. However, surrounding it are trees, and there's birds, and there's wildlife. So it's a fun place to ride your bike. But there's garbage there. And sometimes by the sewer pipes or the the drainage pipes, you you see some pretty gross stuff. For example, we saw a dead rat right by one of these sewer pipes and it was was decomposing. Well, this is the image that Paul gives us. If you're going to sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. You'll become like a dead decomposing body, the body of a dead rat. And Jesus himself warned us that if we continue in our sin... If we continue to sow to the flesh, we will reap eternal corruption. This is what he says in Mark 9, verse 48. He says, unless we kill that sin, unless we cut off that sin, we will reap eternal corruption. And he says, the maggot will not die and the fire will not be quenched. Jesus is clear. Unless we starve the sinful nature, unless we crucify, unless we kill the desires of the flesh. Those desires will kill us. 
So Paul says, God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. Now, that's the first half of verse 8, and that's the bad news. But the second half of verse 8 is the good news. Paul goes on to say, the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, this is the good news of this verse. This is the good news of the day of Pentecost, that God has given us His Spirit. And if we sow to the Spirit, we will reap eternal life. Now, what this means is that we don't have to sow to the flesh. We do not have to be controlled and dominated by our sinful desires. No, Paul says we can sow to the Spirit. And as we sow to the Spirit, we reap eternal life. And today we're reminded that we've been clothed with power from on high. We're reminded that we've been anointed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit breaks the power of canceled sin. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. He transforms us from one degree of glory to another. The Holy Spirit conforms us to the image of the Son of God, to the image of Christ. And as we sow to the Spirit, we become become more and more like Jesus. We look more and more like our Lord, like our Savior. And we become more than conquerors. Now, this is what the Bible means by sanctification. And this is what Paul's talking about here. As we sow to the Spirit, we reap eternal life. And he says elsewhere that sanctification leads to eternal life. Now, as we think about sanctification, Paul here is not talking about, you know, making a series of resolutions and following a rigorous program of self-improvement. That's not what sanctification is. And it's not simply a matter of overcoming bad habits, of rooting out sin in our life. It's not simply a matter of doing that. It can't be reduced to that. So sanctification is not stoicism. This is a philosophy where you just seek to overcome the vices in your life. That's not the case. Because Paul says it's not just a matter of not sowing to the flesh. If you think of the field or the garden of your life, if if you're just not sowing flesh, what's left? It's empty ground. It's fallow ground. No, Paul says we sow to the Spirit because only then is there life, and not just life, but eternal life. And as we sow to the Spirit, the Spirit works within us, cultivates within us this life, this eternal life. And we need to think about what he means by this, by eternal life. Now, Jesus himself tells us in John chapter 17 that to know the Father, to know the Son, this is eternal life. John 17, verse 3. And so as we come to know the Father, as we come to know the Son, so we are reaping eternal life. And this is the work of the Spirit. The Spirit is daily drawing us out. The Spirit is daily calling us to the Son, to Christ. The Spirit is daily turning our hearts and turning our eyes to fix our attention on Christ. He is daily opening our ears to hear the word of Christ. He is daily opening our hearts that we may receive Christ, that we may grow and abide in Christ, that we may grow and abide in our knowledge of Christ, that we may grow to love Christ more deeply and more fully. And as we come to know the Son, as we come to know Christ, Jesus says, I lead you to the Father. We come to know the Father. 
And this is eternal life, to know the Father and the Son by the Spirit. And as we come into a deeper knowledge, a deeper relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, we come into a deeper experience of eternal life. Now Paul is saying, if we sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit, we will reap eternal life. So what does it mean then to sow to the Spirit? What's he talking about? Well, I would say primarily and first and foremost, what he is talking about is sowing the seeds of God's Word in our lives. That's what he means by sowing to the Spirit. Now, the reason I say that is because of what Jesus himself says in John chapter 6. You'll remember this is a passage where after feeding the 5,000, he begins to speak to those who are listening about the bread from heaven and how he is the bread from heaven. And the people listening to him find that this is a difficult teaching. But at the end of that teaching, Jesus says, this is verse 63, John 6, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. And then he says this, listen, The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And when he said this, many people found that this was a hard saying and they left him. They turned away from following him. And so Jesus turned to the twelve and he said, Will you also leave? And remember what Simon Peter said. He said, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. The Spirit gives life, Jesus says. And my words are spirit and life. And so this is what it means to sow to the Spirit. It means sowing the seeds of the Word of God in our lives. It means reading the Word of God. It means studying the Word of God. It means learning the Word of God. It means praying the Word of God. It means speaking the Word of God. It means keeping the Word of God. And this is something that we don't just simply do as individuals, but we do it in community, in fellowship with one another. It's not just that I've, it's me and my Bible, but we, we hear the Word of God together. We abide in the Word of God together. We speak the Word of God to one another. And the fellowship that we have with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and as we grow in, in our knowledge of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, as we reap eternal life, we don't just simply do this as individuals, but we do it together. Because we know the fellowship of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit by our fellowship with one another. We know the love of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit by our love for one another. And so we're reminded today, even as we are separated, that we sow to the Spirit and we reap eternal life from the Spirit together in community, one to another. And just as the farmer who sows generously will reap bountifully, so it is for us. The more we sow the seeds of Scripture into our own lives, into one another's lives, the more bountifully we will reap eternal life. So Paul says, if we are to be more than conquerors, we must sow to the Spirit. But also, he goes on to say, do not grow weary of doing good. Do not grow weary of doing good. Now many of us, as we've gone through this difficult season, and as we 
contemplate the uncertainties of the future, many of us are growing weary. And we're growing weary of doing good. So this is a timely word for us. Paul's exhortation, do not grow weary of doing good. And he says to us, do not give up. Don't give up. Keep going. And the Christian life is very much a life that leads us uphill. Now, I just spoke of riding bikes earlier. And to get down to Black Creek, you've got to go down a big hill. That's fun. That's easy. But you also have to, on the way home, go up a big hill. And as you are going up a hill on your bicycle, you know that it gets harder and harder. And you've got to keep your legs pumping. Because if you don't, you're going to lose momentum. And you know when you're on a bicycle and you start to slow down, you start to wobble a bit, you lose your balance, you could fall off. And you very quickly stop. You start to roll backwards. So Paul is saying, don't grow weary. Don't give up. Keep going. Now the work of farming, the work of sowing seed, that's that's hard work. It's tiring work. The life of discipleship, the life of following Christ is a life of difficulty. We're called to persevere. We're called to keep going. We're called to work hard. And it's also a life of patience. There's a long time between sowing seed and reaping a harvest. Farmers are busy now. They've they've sown their seed. They're, They're tending to their crops, but they're not harvesting yet. They have to wait to harvest. But notice what Paul says here. For in due season you will reap. Do not grow weary of doing good, for in due season, at the right time, you will reap. This is a promise. As we sow to the Spirit, as we continue on in doing good, we will reap. Now, as we look back over church history, we can see many examples of faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, faithful faithful saints of old, who have persevered in doing good. They haven't grown weary in doing good. They didn't give up in doing good. I think of someone like William Wilberforce, and some of you know of him. You know his story. It's an inspiring life, an inspiring life of faithfulness and of perseverance. And in 1787, Wilberforce wrote what is probably one of the greatest personal mission statements of all time, but he wrote this in his diary. God Almighty has set before me two great objects, the suppression of the slave trade and the reformation of manners or the reformation of society. Now, at the time, Britain's economy was dependent upon the slave trade. And Wilberforce, starting in 18, or 1787, began to propose bills in Parliament for the abolition of the slave trade. And year after year, he tirelessly made long speeches and campaigned outside of Parliament to change the social views, to change the political will concerning slavery and concerning the slave trade. But year after year, it was voted down in Parliament. And in fact, one year, pretty early on in his campaign against the slave trade, he actually had enough votes to pass the bill. But there were a number of members of Parliament who were, weren't so convicted that this needed to happen. And the opposition, on the night of the vote, gave free opera tickets to all of these members of Parliament. And they went to the opera 
instead of going to the House of Parliament to vote, and the vote didn't pass. Now imagine how discouraging that must have been to Wilberforce. But he didn't give up. He kept going. And on March 25, 1807, the act of the abolition of the slave trade became law. Twenty years later, for two decades, Wilberforce kept going. He didn't give up. He didn't grow weary. Now, Wilberforce was blessed to see the fruit of his labor, to reap his reward, to see the harvest in his own lifetime. But that doesn't always happen. Oftentimes we are laboring. Oftentimes we are, we are sowing to the Spirit. Oftentimes we are, are persevering in good works. The promise is we will reap, but we don't always see the harvest in our lifetime. I was reading this week about a man in Virginia in the 18th century. And one day he was resting under a tree and he remembered a sermon that he had heard in his youth by John Flavel, a Puritan preacher. And upon thinking about that sermon, he was convicted of his sin. He gave his life to Christ. Now, the man at the time, believe it or not, was 103 years old. And he had heard that sermon when he was 18 years old. So John Flavel, in his faithfulness in preaching the gospel, preached that sermon to this man when he was 18. But the man didn't receive Christ for another 85 years. Flavel, Flavel had long died. He didn't see the harvest. However, what Paul has said here is true. Flavel didn't grow weary in doing good, and he reaped the harvest. And so it is for us. We must remember that we will reap the harvest. We do not labor in vain. Now, some of us are growing weary of doing good. We do grow weary of doing good. And when we grow weary of doing good, we need to remember two things. First of all, remember that the life of doing good is a life to which we are called in Christ. And remember that the life of doing good is the life that Jesus himself lived. Remember what Peter says in his sermon in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. He says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Well, he's anointed us too with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That is Peter's summary statement of the life of Jesus. He was anointed with power by the Spirit, and he went, to, he went around doing good. Well, we too have been anointed with power by the Holy Spirit, and we have been called in Christ and by Christ to a life of doing good. And weariness will set in, and we will grow weary of doing good when we forget our Lord, when we forget Christ when we take our eyes off of our Savior, when we forget that He has called us to this and that He is with us in it, we will grow weary of doing good when we aren't sowing to the Spirit, when we neglect the Word of God, when we aren't submitting ourselves to His Word, when we aren't listening to His Word, when we aren't abiding and meditating in His Word. Well, when that happens, we grow weary because we lose sight of our Savior. But let us never forget 
that our Savior came down from heaven. He humbled himself. He left all of the glory and the privilege of his sonship as the Son of God. Paul says he he didn't grasp at that, but he humbled himself. He took the form of a man, the form of a slave, and he walked in obedience even to the point of death, death on the cross. And he went through that shame, that humiliation, that death for you. You were bought with a price, the precious blood of Christ, and you belong to him now. And now he has sent his spirit And you have been clothed with power from on high. You've been anointed with the Spirit. And He has sent you, He has commissioned you to a life of doing good, just as He did good. And let's never forget the glory, the dignity, the privilege of the life to which God has called us in Christ. And the life to which he has called us and empowered us by his Spirit. And so today we remember on this Pentecost Sunday that we have been clothed with power from on high. We've been anointed by the Spirit. And so let us not sow to the flesh, for then we will reap corruption. Let us sow to the Spirit, for then from the Spirit we will reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, For in due season, we will reap. Amen. This message has been brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. Please feel free to share this content, but do not charge for it or alter it in any way without the express written consent of the EICC. For more resources, please visit ezrainstitute.ca.